Well, good to have you here tonight. Our folks are joining on Facebook. If you're joining on Facebook, let us know somewhere along the way and remind me, Daryl, at the end, we'll let everybody know who's here. <laughs> folks that are on Facebook get to see who's there, but you all don't. Yeah, that's good. All right, Hebrews chapter 7. Told you we divide this up into three sections. We still got one more to get to. But here we're going to take on verses 20 and 28. And it reads this way. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and he will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety. We're prevented by death from those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Now we'll probably come back to this and spend a little more time on the details of it all. But what we want to, I, I still feel like I'm hot up here. I'm not sure if we can. Yeah, okay. I think the last time Nikolai adjusted the dial up at the top. And cut it back a little bit that way, if that helps you. As we look at look at this, there is a number of roles that were talked about in here. And one of the things I had planned on getting into when we looked at Melchizedek, since we are called to be priests, it really would help us to know what does a priest do. Now we know some of the things that an Old Testament priest does. And here we're going to be talking about some of the things in this passage, talks about some of the things that Jesus as a high priest will be doing. But what are we supposed to be doing as priests? What are our roles? And so in order to figure that out, we're going to first off go back to the Old Testament and look at what the role was of a, of a priest, of a Levite, a high priest. See what kind of things they had. Because obviously not everything that they did is going to carry over because we're not of the order of Aaron. We're of the order of Melchizedek or, or you know, of course, uh, under Jesus. And um, Melchizedek was not the only priest outside of the order of Aaron in the Old Testament. You can probably think of another one. He's actually pretty well known, but it's kind of on the side that he's uh, listed as a priest. But Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was the high priest of um, Midian. So he, was, he came out as a priest. So he was also he was a non-Jew priest, as was um, um, Melchizedek. And there was one other one. There was a foreign priest that was put in there of, uh, of uh, idols, and he was mentioned. But outside that, all the rest of the priests that we have are Levites of the house of Aaron and stuff like that. But if we look at some of the things that they were, that he was told that he would be doing, we see that the priests were prevented by death from continuing because they would die. And of course, they had to be replaced. And so other ones would come in. But he's going to continue on an unchangeable priesthood. In verse 25, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him. So that's one of his roles as a high priest is to save those who come to him since he always lives and makes intercession for them. Now, Jesus is the one who saves. We don't. We only bring them to the high priest who is Jesus. 
So we don't have the exact role of Jesus, the high priest. We have a role as a priest, but not the role as the high priest. And we're going to look at that in the Old Testament because there were different roles that people had. For such a high priest was fitting for us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. That's one of the jobs of the priest. They had to first off offer up sin or sacrifices for their own sins so that they wouldn't die in the presence of God. And then they could go in there and make offerings for others. <laughs> for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses. So even though we are going to go into the, we're in the priesthood, we have weaknesses. Jesus did not. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. So I wrote down in your outline, you don't have too many blanks here tonight. Uh, you have a few, but not too many. Some of the Old Testament roles. And the first one, the most glaring one, of course, is sacrifices and offerings. And this is something that Melchizedek does. He comes out and he meets Abraham. And he accepts an offering from Abraham, the tithes. He accepts that. And he brings out the, uh, the wine and the bread, which is a type of the, of the cross. And so there's uh, just some things going on as far as the priesthood. We don't hear of a sacrifice, but we can assume maybe that went on, but we don't hear of that going on. But that would be his role as a, as a priest. So one of the things that a, a uh, priest, and of course the Levites were involved in this as well, was the sacrifices and the offerings. They would prepare the animals. So you kind of had to have a license as a butcher, almost, because you had to prepare the animals. You had to bleed them. You had to... Uh, do all the different things that you had to do with the animals. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Preparing the animals. Uh, you had to gather up the animals. You had to be able to herd the animals. You had to be able to uh, do some of the things you had to do with the animals. And, you know, go out there and kill the animals. Not everybody can do that. I don't know that I would not really like to go up there and kill the animals. I mean, if, if we could sacrifice cats, it would be easy. I would enjoy that. Keep having these stray cats going around our backyard. Boy, I'd like to have a shotgun sometime. I'm telling you, I just would take them out. They have no business being in my backyard because they get into stuff and they mess with, they're just strays. They just wander around and, and get into things and, and uh, well, they just need to die. <laughs> all of them. Just get rid of all the cats. And, uh, but you see, it's, but not all cats weren't, weren't sacrificed. <laughs> it was lambs. It was goats. It was bulls. Now, bull might scare us a little bit. I don't know about going in into the place with a bull and, and, and just, uh, I'm going to take you out. <laughs> I'm not sure how they, how they did all that, but somehow they did. And then once you, you did all that, this is a sloppy business, so you had to go back and you had to clean up all the stuff where the blood was, was done. You had to clean up all the utensils. You had to clean up all the altars. All that stuff had to be cleaned, and you had to keep cleaning it. So this is all part of that, that stuff, too. And then they had the... Um, um, the sacrifices were mostly done by Aaron's line. The Levites, I think, were involved in some of the preparation and some of the, some of the cleanup and, and stuff like that. But anyway, everybody had a role. Everybody had something they were supposed to do. And this took up a lot of their, uh, a lot of their time, a lot of the things that they had to, to get done. So sacrifices and offerings. They would accept the offerings. They would uh, make the sacrifices to God. Some of the sacrifices that came in, some of it was boiled off to God. Some of it was uh, saved for the priest as, as their part. Uh, there was rituals that they would do, like the sprinkling of blood. They would go around and sprinkle blood. How would you like to have that job? 
I'm here. I'm a blood sprinkler, and you go around and you sprinkle the blood. Probably wouldn't like that a whole lot. Uh, maintain ritual purity. They had to be ritually pure. There are some things that, as a priest, you couldn't in, in, engage in because it could make you unpure, and then you couldn't do your job. So there's some things you had to stay out of, and just not get involved with. So you know that that kind of thing went on. But they had to make sure that they maintained their ritual purity because when service called, you needed to be pure. You can't say I can't do that. I'm unclean right now. But you know, give me a week. That's uh, that's not gonna not gonna cut it. So you had a. It's kind of like a doctor on call. You know, they can't drink, or if they if they were going to be that way, <laughs> if they were going to drink, you can't drink because you're on call. And you might uh, have to go on in and and uh, perform a surgery, and you can't be doing that being inebriated and so forth. So you had to maintain ritual purity was one. Uh, divine consultation. The Urim and the Thummim was involved. That's the high priest role was to do that. They would, they would come in and they would uh, consult before God. And basically, this is like a dice type of thing. We went over it before a little bit. Uh, no one's really exactly clear how to use these things, but they were real clear on it, and they knew how to use it, and they would be able to get a yes or a no answer from God. Is this true? Is this false? Is this right? Is this wrong? That's really all you could get. You wouldn't get any other detail on it, but that's one of the things that they would do. They would teach God's will through understanding of the Torah. Now, the Torah is what they had back then. We have more of the Word of God now, but that's what they had. They had the Torah. Uh, this was also picked up by the prophets. The prophets would begin to, to teach. And uh, Deuteronomy 33.10, he reads this way, They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. So that's one of the, one of the roles that they would have. In Jeremiah 18.18, 18, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. So this is one of the roles that Jeremiah as a prophet had. This is one of the roles that the priests would have. And of course, these folks were going to come against it. Now, this was eventually taken over by the scribes during Jesus' day. And they became the ones who became the teachers of the, of the law, uh, more so than the rest. I think still the Pharisees and others would, would do so as well. But primarily the scribes were the ones who, uh, I'm told, took this, this over. Uh, moving and maintaining, moving, maintaining and protecting the tabernacle. Each of the Levites had different things they were supposed to carry. Uh, some things had to be carried by hand on their shoulders, or uh, they just had to uh, carry them with poles, and then some things were put on carts. And they would uh, make sure that all the tabernacle would be, be moved over. Uh, there were levels of priests. There was the high priest. This is the son of Aaron's line. Uh, one son from Aaron's line was designated as the high priest. And so this would be the, the one who would serve in that until such time as he was removed or such time as he died. And then a new, new line, a new person would come up. There is also the chief priest. Now, in the Old Testament, it seems that sometimes the high priest is referred to as a chief priest. But in the New Testament, there's a high priest and a chief priest, and several chief, chief priests. Jesus came before the chief priest. There was plural. So it seems like there was more of them. Now, this is not in the Bible as, as uh, outlined in the Old Testament, but it, it came to be that way. So you had a high priest, you had chief priests that were underneath that. And then you had Levites and their different branches and they all had different jobs that they would do. <clears throat> Beside this, there was a time of service. I don't know if you are aware of, of this one. This is kind of just one of those verses that's mentioned in there. But in Numbers chapter 8, and verse 24, this is what pertains to the Levites. From 25 years old and above one may enter to perform services in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And at the age of 50 years old, they must cease performing this work and shall work no more. 
They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting to attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work. Thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties. Now what this basically means is that the, um, the people who are Levites, the people who are priests, that you work from age 25 until age 50. At age 50, you retired. Up until age 25, you were basically an apprentice. And you would learn what to do so that at age 25, when you took over, you knew what to do. But you had 25 years of service. And so some of the things that we, uh, I saw that were noted on this was be, it was because of the stress of the ministry of being a priest that they gave him 25 years. And it was mandatory at age 50 that you retire. You could still help out in some ways, but you could not do the, the actual work of the priest. You could just come in and assist or come in and help out. And that was all that you were able to do. So age 25 is when you start. Age 50 is when you stop as a priest. And that was, uh, from what I understand, just the, the stress of being in that type of ministry. And uh, so we'll go over some of the things that we anticipate were the stress of, of that kind of ministry uh, as we get to the end here. But that's what they would, they would do. So what were the pressures of the priesthood? Well, we'll go over that here in just a little bit. But in the Old Testament, we also see beside the roles, we saw that there was some trouble that came out of this line of ministry. That from the priests and from the Levites, there was some trouble that happened. And so the first one we see is in the area of leadership. Who hears from God? And this is with Aaron and Miriam in Numbers chapter 12. I'm just going to read to you two verses. Verse 1, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now there's been a lot made of this. And you know, if he... Um, uh, should he have remarried? Is remarriage the issue for them? Is race the issue? Because we have a, an interracial marriage in on this one. So you have uh, an Ethiopian woman. She's very dark skinned. Darker skinned than his most. Moses is not a white guy. But he's darker skinned than, than a white guy. But not as dark as, as that. So, you know, the interracial marriage has been brought up. Did Aaron and Miriam have a problem with that? We don't know what their problem was with it. We don't know if it was the problem of remarriage. We don't know if it was an interracial thing. We don't know if it was somebody because they were not Jewish. We don't know. They don't say what the problem was. They just use it as a launching pad, but really it's not the issue. A lot of people use these kind of things as launching pad. This is the reason that we're upset, but it's not really the reason. The reason is one back over here to verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? That's the problem. They saw this and they began to talk among them. We don't know that they talked to anybody else. We don't know that they went out in the congregation and talked to people in the congregation, but they did talk to each other. And it probably started off something like this. What do you think about marriage, uh, Moses getting married again? Well, I don't know. He's supposed to be hearing from God, but I don't think that's supposed to, I don't think that's right. And if he's hearing from God, you know, you and I, we don't think that's right. And uh, I don't know how much he actually hears from God. Yeah, I hear from God, and I think I'm hearing from God. That's wrong. And, you know, he's not the only one who hears from God. God speaks to me, too. And Miriam is a prophetess, and you can't be a prophetess without God speaking to you to say stuff. And Aaron is a high priest. Certainly, God has to speak to him about things as well. And then there's Moses. Now, if you go through the rest of this thing, he basically calls all three of them one out there and he gets those two and he says, now look, there is nobody 
that I've spoken to like Moses, including you two. Got it? I speak to him face to face. I don't speak to you guys face to face, but I do to him. No one have I ever spoken to like that. So yeah, Moses is on a higher level than you guys. Got it? <laughs> That's basically what he is saying to him. Slaps them down for that sort of thing. Because this is what they're saying. It, has God not spoken to us? So they don't necessarily like a direction that Moses is taking. This is probably not the first direction that they didn't like. They probably saw some other things they didn't like either, but they remained quiet about it. And this one just kind of broke it for them. And they began to talk to each other. And then God pulls them out and says, what are you doing? Surely he talks to Aaron. Surely he talks to Miriam. But there are some things he talks to Moses about. And uh, they're feeling like, well, if we didn't hear it, how do we know that God actually said it? Because they got to this place, which a lot of people do, that if God spoke to Moses, he should also have spoken to Aaron, he should have also have spoken to Miriam. And that's not always the case. And so God slaps them upside the head and gets them uh, fixed up there. Uh, basically, I don't like, I don't think that this is the direction God wants us to go. With Aaron and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam, that's what we have. That's a, that caused problems. Now, this is not the only time, but this is the time we see it from the priest area of ministry. There were other people who rebelled against leadership. And uh, they don't think, you know, David had that problem too, but it wasn't with the, the priest. But he had that, that problem. And other people had uh, that issue. People would rise up and uh, we don't think that's the direction that God wants us to go. So this is one area of trouble that we see that came, came from the, the priest line. Here's another one. Rank or place in ministry. Rank, where you rank or where your place is in ministry. And we see that with, the, with Korah. And of course, there was other ones who were involved in that as well. But we'll just keep it with the to Korah. And I just get, uh, copied out one verse out of number 16, which if you want to, you can go back there and look at that whole chapter and see what went on there. Um, it's all the community is holy, all of them, and the Lord is in their midst. All the community is holy, all of them, and the Lord is in their midst. This is not what they mean at all. What they mean is, we are holy. And the Lord is in our midst. But that sounds wrong. So we're going to say that the Lord is in the presence of all the people. And all the people are holy. Because you see, they didn't like what their jobs were. Their job was not to be high priest. And their job was not to do certain things in the temple. They had a job to do in the temple. And they said, we don't like that. We want to, we want to offer incense. We want to offer fire. We want to do these other things. We want to get involved more in the sacrifices. We want to get involved more in the temple aspect. I mean, we're, we're holy too. Why is it that we can't get involved in these kind of ministries? We're not satisfied with the rank that we have. We're not satisfied with the place that we have in ministry. We want something different. And so they begin to put it off on all the people, like we are defending all the people, but they're not. They're dissatisfied themselves. And this is what a lot of people do. We get dissatisfied with our rank. We get dissatisfied with our placement. And I feel like I should be placed higher. I feel like I should have more responsibilities here. I feel like I should have more rank here. And this came out of the, uh, the priest line or the Levitical line here in particular that these guys didn't like, that they didn't have that. Now, you all know the rest of the story. <laughs> Moses came out and says, I'll tell you what. Y'all want to do this? Go ahead. Go get some fire. Go get your own incense. And let's meet out on the, on the lawn over here. And let's see who God accepts. <laughs> and so, you know, the 250 of them got out there with their fire and, and they got burned up. Fire came down and burned them up. And the rest of the folks, the, the folks with Korah and 
Dotham and all, all those guys, they, they were around. They said, get away from the, the tent. And I was rereading the story just to, to go through it again. And, and it's fun. <laughs> and and uh, the, the picture I get from this is, he says, get away from those tents. And I get this idea, like this, that they backed up a little bit because they said to get away. And then when the ground opened up, it says that they all fled. That means we're really going to get away. We just kind of got away a little bit. <clears throat> But now we're really going to get away. And, so then, and then they got mad, of course, at, at uh, Moses. and <clears throat> How did you do this? Why did you do this to the people? Yeah, I opened up the ground. That's what we did. But this was the second area of problems from the area of the Levitical priesthood was rank and place in ministry. Here's another one. This came from 1 Samuel chapter 2. Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. This is corruption. Corruption in ministry. Verse 12 sums it up here. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. That's pretty much the summary right there. <laughs> I mean, that's as good of a summary as you got. They were corrupt. Now he goes on and explains it. They did not know the Lord. Can you imagine people in priestly ministry did not know the Lord? And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first because that's God's portion. Then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, but you must give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So they were, they were not wanting to bring the offering of the Lord because it wasn't being used in a proper way. It wasn't being used before the Lord the way it was said to be done. And these guys were just taking what they wanted. Well, we don't want boiled meat. We want to, we want to roast it. We want to put it over an open fire and put some seasoning on it. We want to have a different taste. We don't want that boiled stuff. We want something else. And so they didn't like it. That's not the only sin they did. I just put this one in there. There was another one they did. They were doing things with the ladies in the, in the service of the temple that they just should not have been doing. So these were the things that were going on because they didn't know the Lord. And Eli came out and slapped their hand and said, you know, y'all let's stop that. That's, that's just not good. And they, they didn't bother stopping it. And God wasn't too happy with Eli for that. And he said, your house will, will stop being high priest. And eventually, um, that's what, exactly what happened. And it switched over to another one. But this is corruption. Corruption would come in. And this came in from the priesthood line, from the Levitical line. And corruption came in. Here's the fourth one. And this is the calling. Uh, Jeroboam in First Kings chapter 12, verse 31. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Now, he jumps right into this. When he takes over as king, he, of course, he, he um, brings back the golden calves. He brings back worship to the high places. Uh, don't go down to Jerusalem. Offer your sacrifices here. And then he made priests of every class of people. This For him to go into this this quickly, it kind of means that there was some kind of a public opinion that the priest shouldn't just be of the Levites. Now, the reason it was of the Levites was because God said it. And not only God said it, God put it in his word. 
But you know, sometimes we become dissatisfied with the things that God has said in his word. And we kind of want something else. And this is what these people want. They, we wanted something else. And so they, uh, I, I kind of would like to serve God as a Levite. I would kind of like to serve God as a priest. Uh, how come I can't just because I was born of the tribe of Judah or born of the tribe of Dan or born of, I'd like to be able to, to serve this way. And so when he came in and, and took over being king, he wanted to make all the people happy. And so one of the things he did was, tell you what, anybody who wants to be priest, come on up here. We're going we're gonna, to uh, we're gonna put that on there for you and let you go. So no longer were the, they, they called to the office. They just had a desire to do it. And this wasn't good. So these were some of the problems that came out of the area of, of Levites. Of course, Israel had other problems, but this is the problems that they had with the area of the priest. Now, we're going to get back into these four areas here in just a little bit, but that's what they had in the Old Testament. Let's take it over to the New Testament. New Testament priest. What am I supposed to be as a New Testament priest? Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, he uses the word some in there because he did not give all to be apostles. He did not give all to be prophets. He did not give all to be evangelists. did not give all to be pastors. And he did not give all to be teachers. The purpose of it was for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And the idea was that they basically give you an anchor for your soul. So when the winds of false doctrine come, they don't sweep you away. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we see from that that there's a ranking in the, in the body of Christ. There are some who are apostles. There are some who are prophets. And he goes on with that. Beside that, there's, there's uh, different parts of the body. And each part of the body supplies something. And, of course, he goes on in, in uh, some places and he talks about, you know, is, a, is an ear going to be an eye and is an elbow going to be a hand and, uh, and stuff like that. And if we try that way, if I try to put function in the, in the wrong place, then um, I'm messing up with the ranking. I'm messing up with the calling. And this is what they had the problem with in the Old Testament when Jeroboam came up. They won't just make priests out of anybody. So there's no calling in their life because there can't be a calling for someone to be a priest in the land of Israel in the Old Testament unless they were of the tribe of Levi. That's the way it had to be. It wasn't supposed to be that way, but because of disobedience, that's where it went. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. All together we make up the body of Christ, but members we are individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But you earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. So again, we have the ranking. And we may not like it, and I may be put into a, say that I was put into a spot, and I was a helps, and I didn't want to be a helps, I wanted to be an apostle. Well, I, if I step into the role of apostle, but I haven't been called into that role, I can't be anointed. And so one of the problems that we could have here is that we're not pursuing the anointing, we're just, a, we're just pursuing a, 
uh, a job title. I like that job title better than the one that I got. Don't like my job title. I don't want to be an elbow. I'd rather be an eye. And this is what we would, we would do. Another thing, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk and not solid food. So we are, uh, we are to be teachers. One of our roles as priests in the body of Christ is we should become teachers. doesn't mean that just because I got born again that I'm ready to be a teacher. There's some preparation that we need to get going on. We, do, we need to come to an understanding. And if we're going to be a teacher, we need to teach those things we understand. Nothing, nothing worse than teaching what you don't understand. That's, uh, <laughs> that just doesn't work too well at all. We've got to make sure that we, we do that. You, you listen to some people. And they don't understand what it is they're teaching. They heard somebody teach it. And they're trying to teach it like they taught it, but they don't understand it. And you can kind of tell by the way they're presenting it. They don't quite have the understanding of this yet. They just heard it from, you know, maybe Brother Creflo preached something on, on the TV. And they heard it and they saw this is good. And they go out and they try and preach it themselves or teach it to other people. But they haven't adopted, haven't ex- uh, brought that into themselves to a place of understanding. He says, by this time you ought to have been teachers. But they weren't yet. So there, there's a place we need to come into to be a teacher in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Just reading verse 1. You can go on to 16 if you want to when you're home. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. There's a purity. Just like in the Old Testament, they had to maintain a purity. We need to maintain our own purity. We need to make sure that we have a walk worthy of the calling for which we have. Just as they would maintain their their purity, as far as the priest was concerned, make sure they weren't unclean so they were fit for duty. We need to do the same thing, just as, just as they had done. <coughs> Hebrews 13, verse 5. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There's a sacrifice of praise that we need to bring out. We're not bringing sacrifices of bulls. We're not bringing a sacrifice of of goats and things like that. But there's a sacrifice of praise. Even in the Old Testament, it talked about it. Jeremiah 33, verse 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return. As at the first says the Lord, says the Lord, so there's a, there's a sacrifice of praise. And we are, as, as believers, we are to bring the sacrifice of praise. That's something that we are to do as priests. So it's not that some people are called to be worshipers and praisers. We all are. Now, we may not get up on stage. We may not get a microphone. We may not play an instrument. But glory to God, we can still bring the sacrifice of praise. And that's one of the things we are to do. So when we enter into praise, this is part of our priestly role to bring that sacrifice of praise. He goes on to uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that's our job as a, as a priest, to bring ourselves, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. When we abstain from sin, when we live a life worthy of the calling that we have, we are bringing that sacrifice before God. 
Not a sacrifice of bulls and goats. This is not a sacrifice that we need to do in order to be saved. We are saved, therefore we can do it. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't be able to. But he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Chapter 9, verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. That they are called into a place of service to God. That we are to, to be servants of God. As a priest was a servant of God, we are a servant of God. And we need to make sure that we, we follow into those things. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogue. Just the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Some people do things that they consider to be the service to God, but God does not consider to be service. Now, we understand here killing people. Uh, this is not something that would be a service to God. But during Jesus' day, during the New Testament, you saw that people actually did it. And they thought they were serving God. Even today, people are doing things that is not a service to God, but they say it is. And they think it is. We've got to make sure we understand what is a service to God and, and become servants of God. I am not here to be a servant of people. I am here to be a servant of God. In being a servant of God, I serve people. But it's a huge difference because people get tired of serving people because people frustrate them. People let them down. But when you serve people in a, in a way to serve God, God, I'm serving you by serving these people over here. I keep my focus on I'm serving God. I'm, serving, I'm not serving you. I'm doing things for you. But I'm serving God. And I'm doing the things that God says to do. It changes our outlook on it. We have to make sure we keep that in mind. I am here to serve God. And you keep doing the things that, that God tells you to do. Here's the last one I put in your, in your outline for you. And that's walk in love. Romans 13 verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And of course we go into 1 Corinthians 13. And look at the things there about walking in love. And you can tie that one in there as well. But we have a job down here on the earth to walk in love to walk in love towards people you don't walk in love towards things you walk in love towards people and that's what we need to do no oh no man no one anything except to love one another that's it that's something we're indebted to i heard one person talk about the i think it was fred price who was talking about it he was talking about debt and um that a lot of christians have uh, a, a problem with the idea of debt and so his idea was that if you sign a note on a car and you walk away with that car, that car is worth $10,000 and your note on that car, and I have no idea what the numbers would be. Let's just say that the note on the car would be you pay $250 a month. $250 a month. He says uh, when you leave, you're technically, I guess people are going to say you owe $10,000, but if you owe $10,000, would that bank or would that auto place let you walk out? So technically, you don't owe that. What you owe is every month paying $250. So as long as you pay $250 every month, you don't owe anything, technically. So he was trying to get people to understand uh, things. From, and I understood where he was, was going with that. And I don't really owe anyone to love them until I stop loving them. Oh, now I'm in debt. Now I owe somebody that. But as long as I keep walking in love, I'm not in debt. 
But as soon as I have an opportunity to love somebody and I don't, guess what? You, you should have done that over there. Now you owe them. Ooh. Don't owe anyone anything. Don't do it. Walk in love all the time. Every time you got the opportunity, walk in love. Now, I put this as our, as our ending part here. What makes ministry difficult? And we all have a, we're not just talking about people in the fivefold ministry, but we're talking about people because we're all called to be priests. And so there's an aspect of ministry that we all have. What causes ministry to be difficult? Because we hear people, you know, they, they get tired, they hang it up, and I'm tired of doing this and get burned out and whatever, whatever it might be. So I wrote a few, few things down that it's not. The first off, it is not the needs of people because you learn how to unplug. It's a matter of survival. You learn how to unplug because people are always coming at, at you with needs. We saw this with Jesus. How many times they keep coming at him with needs? Every once in a while, he just go away and unplug somewhere and just go away. But uh, sometimes he went away to unplug and they still came at him and found him and he just plugged right back in again and started ministering to him, helping him out again. He didn't seem to get burned out by that. It's not the pressure of what you're going to teach or minister next. Because when you get under the flow, when you get under the anointing, there's no pressure anymore. It's not too much work and not enough time. That won't wear you out as a person, as a, as a minister either. But there are certain things that will wear, wear you out. And this goes back to what we were looking at there with the rebellion and the problems that came in. So I, gave, I put up here the top things that wear uh, ministers down. Top five things that wears ministers down. Here's the, here's the first one, and it starts off with what we saw with Aaron and Miriam. Everyone here is from God. I'll tell you what, there is nothing that wears you down more than everyone hearing from God. Because everybody heard from God and they know that you missed it. And you hear it from everybody. I've had it to, sometimes, you know, you, God will say, I, I have to give you something that's real easy. A guest speaker. And I'll have my, I bring these people out for a guest speaker. And I've had this out in the years. We're going to bring so-and-so out and guest speaker. As soon as God tells me, bring so-and-so out and guest speaker. says, well, I know that so-and-so is not going to like that. I know this one over here, they're not going to like that. This one over here, they're going to love that this one's coming out. This one, this one over here, they're not going to like it. And I remember one time I got up and I announced so-and-so is coming out for guest ministry. And sure enough, I mean to a T, this one, this one, this one, I could see their faces. Oh, they just cringed. And I saw all the ones and they were all happy. I said, exactly how I knew it was going to go. I, 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 I called it. I called every single one of them. <laughs> and when they came on out, everybody had a good, good time. We enjoyed them. And um, it, was, it was a good thing. But I'll tell you what, even something as, as simple as guest ministers. You, you always have people. Now, there's some of them that God has told me, bring them out. I says, dear God, I don't want to. <laughs> I've said that. There are certain guest ministers, and I, I have brought them out, and I've brought them out more than once. And the, 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 the extra times I brought them out, I says, God, I'm only bringing them out because you told me to bring them out. I really don't want them here at all. They wear me. It's not that they're bad. I'm not bringing out people that I think are bad. They just wear me down. When they get done leaving, I just, oh, I am so glad they are gone. Oh, they just, they are so taxing on everything that I, I do. I won't tell you who they are, and I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to be able to figure it out. But taxing as can be. Just uh, dear, dear guys sometimes say, I, I hope I never have to bring them out again. If you need me to, I'll bring them on out again. You know, they have a certain anointing, a certain thing that they'll do. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the people were ministered to. And you, even when I brought them out, you know, the, people were ministered to and people were glad. No one, no one saw the other stuff that was going on. 
And I try and keep it to myself too, but it's just, oh dear. So, so some people just, some guest ministers are not as easy as others. Some of them you just really enjoy the time having with to talk with them, and other ones, mm, you know, well, you know, I have to take them out to lunch, I know that. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. But even stuff like, like that. There's times that, you know, God will say, take the teaching in a direction here. And I'll take the teaching in a direction there. And, oh, I'll tell you what, people kick and scream. I don't, I, don't want, I don't like that. You already taught on that. I'm already done with that. And you get those kind of things. But everyone's hearing from God. And everyone hears from God and what you should do. And, well, I think that's wrong. And I think that's wrong. And I, I, sometimes anymore, I just go to God and say, God, I know you want me to do this, but I don't want the battle. I just don't want the battle. Because that'll wear you down. That'll wear you down. And I've had times when God says, all right, go in this direction, do this particular thing over here. And I know the battle that's ahead for it. And some sometimes we'll teach them the thing, we'll get th- things ready. And other times, you know, you, uh, and it's not with everything. I mean, there's some stuff God says to go in a direction. Oh, good, this will be good. This will be easy. Oh, glory to God, I like easy stuff. You just go in a direction and go. But that's not the way that it always is. Because everybody feels like they hear from God. Well, I'm praying about it. I don't get that at all. <laughs> I learned a long time ago. This is a long time ago I learned this that uh, you'll, you'll notice I don't share a whole lot of what I'm going to teach coming up. People will ask me questions about it. I don't know if you notice that I am, I am, sh- I, I shut everything down on that. I just learned to do it because if I don't, it's probably just me. Other people can probably do this. It's probably a weakness that's on me, but I have sat down and I have described an aspect of teaching with some of the guest ministers are going, well, where are you going to go? Well, I'm thinking this is where we're going to go, and I'll, I'll lay it down out there for them. Really? That doesn't sound right. Are you sure you're going to get into, into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is what I think. Man, I just, I mean, just, and they just discouraged me. Like, this, holy cow, is this even God? <laughs> and sometimes I've tried to explain some things to, to people in the church. And what are you going to do? Where are you going to go with this? And I try and explain it. I finally came to the conclusion and that unless I'm under the anointing, I don't, it, it does not benefit to teach anything or to say anything about it. So I just shut up about it. I just don't say anything about it at all. And I figure it's just my own weakness. I'm just not explaining it right. But once, you know, you get everything prepared and get everything ready and the timing's right and, and, the, and the anointing of God is there, it just comes off a whole lot different. So I just figure, well, that's just what I have to do. I just have to resign to, to do it that way. Because otherwise, everybody hears from God. And you gotta, you're, you're always battling this. And no matter what area of ministry, it's not just pastors, no matter what area of ministry you're in, if God leads you to go in a particular direction, you're going to have family members who say, that's wrong. And they hear from God too. And that that's, that's the wrong direction to go. And you're going to have uh, other people that are in your life. And they're going to speak this to you. And it wears you down. It can, it can just wear you down. And Moses had this. How many times did God tell him to go in a particular direction and he had problems from people? And they'd get up and they'd say stuff. And no matter how many times God showed up and said, this is my servant, listen to him. They didn't, they didn't do it. Jesus had Peter pulled to the side. This is not God. <laughs> this teaching that you're doing, this is not of God. And he handled that in a, in a way that most of us don't. <laughs> but he got away with it. So that's one of the things that will just wear you down. Here's a second one. I don't want to do that ministry. 
It's the, it's the sons of Korah thing. I'm kind of tired of doing this ministry over here. I want to do that ministry over there. I like the fire. I want to do the incense. And we, we pick something different because I just, uh, I think I like it. I, I think that would be good. Now, the, the more you walk with God, the more that you, you walk into things, you get scared to do anything outside of your anointing. You just get downright scared. I mean, almost scared to the point of reading the sons of Korah. I don't want the ground to open up. And, and you just back off on this, this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, there's people out there that, are, that have ministry and, and things. And I just, I just rather back off on the whole thing. On, uh, I, you know, just a couple of things around here. I don't get involved in worship. If the worship team didn't show up, I would not stand up on stage and say, well, I'm going to do the best I can. No. <laughs> We'd have no worship that day. We'd just cut it all out. It'd just be gone. Because <laughs> I know better than to step into that area of ministry and to, and to do that particular thing. That's just uh, that's, that's not a direction to, <laughs> for me to go. Um, you know, there's, there's some things that maybe you can stand on and fill in. Even the offering. You know, we had a couple, two weeks in a row that none of our offering people are here. And this is the first week I knew about it ahead of time. I knew about it the night before. We got nobody for our offering tomorrow, so I'm doing it. Now, you'll notice, if you watch me get up here, I don't do what they do. I know what they're supposed to do. I've told them what they're supposed to do, but I don't do what they do. I just come up and, all right, we're here. Let's get our confession over. Let's keep the worship part going, and bam, we're out. <laughs> I'm not stepping in on that, that area. We've got people that got an anointing for that. They pursue the anointing on that. That's their job. If they don't show up, that's on them. <laughs> I'm not trying to move in on that. Take over that area of uh, that that stuff that's going on there. There's other people that got the that ministry that have it going on, and uh, and and that's what happened. You know, if Daryl doesn't show up, <clears throat> and and he doesn't have somebody trained up to take his spot, sorry, no Facebook today. Because there, you know, there's some things I can step on back there. You know, if they're short on an usher, maybe maybe. I'm not saying that I will all the time, but maybe I'll, I'll do the general. I try and find somebody else out there to, to do the, th- the things that are going on because I realize if, you know, the more mindful I become of those things, the less mindful I become what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I try and keep myself focused in on, the, on those particular things. But the more that you, you move into the things of God, the more deeper you get in, the more mature you become, you realize this is my area. This is what God called me to do. This is important. This is not unimportant. This is important. And if I don't do it, could be that no one else does it and the thing doesn't get going on. But that's one of the things that'll, that'll worry out. I don't want to do that ministry. I want to do this. And you've got all these people doing things because they want to, not because they were called to. Corruption. This is something that'll wear down ministers because corruption comes in and the fear of being discovered. Or you're so compromised you can't speak what is needed. You get compromised enough and God says, I need you to teach on this. And you feel, I can't, I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you can't teach on that particular thing or minister on that particular area. Mm-hmm. Or corruption comes in and you're just so afraid that, well, they're all going to get wise on what's going on. No, you need to keep yourself pure. You need to keep yourself, uh, pastor, teacher, prophet, don't matter what. It, you got to keep yourself pure. You got to keep yourself ready for for that, don't 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 be going off on that. I mean, what would happen if I just go off here and just start getting angry and yelling at people, and then get up here and teach on love? 
What would happen to the people in the church? If I start teaching on love and you're thinking, man, my daughter put something up. I don't think she made this. Uh, I think she sent it to me in a text. So she, some pastor. I, I've never seen a pastor do this in church. I mean, nice church. Real nice church building. All kinds of nice stuff all around. And he just went around and started yelling at all his church people. Yelling at the sound guy. And yelling at the people. And then telling them how much he loves them. And then yelling at them some more. And then ex- ex- talk, pu- pulled their faults out right in the, right in the sermon. You ought to quit doing that. <laughs> they said, you all want to get married. Why should I marry you? You haven't been in church for a couple of weeks. He says, and he actually said this to him. Actually said these words to him. He says, you're not worth a nickel. <laughs> mm. And uh, now, you see, if you say... If, if you operate in that kind of a way, doesn't that compromise you on what you can do as far as ministry was concerned? And the people just aren't going to be able to hear it. People aren't going to be able to operate in that. So you have to make sure that you keep corruption out. But, you know, the enemy, he's persistent. He's going to keep trying to get you to become corrupted. He's going to get you to try and fall out of walking in love. He's going to get you to try and go in a direction that, that's wrong. And by doing so, it compromises you. You can't operate. You can't help with certain people. Don't, uh, don't let that go on. That'll wear you down. God keeps telling you, you need to go over here and minister this way, and you keep feeling like I can't. You know, that's one of those things that'll wear you down. Here's another one. Calling and anointing are no longer pursued, but doing things in my own strength. Because you see, I like to do that. But that's not necessarily where your anointing is. Now, there are some things in church I like to do because I get a kick out of it. I mean, I just, I just kind of like doing those, those kind of things. But you have, to, you have to get it out of it. I mean, I, I haven't done it in a long, long time, and we've had other people that, that have done it. But one of the things I used to love, and still I sometimes think about it, that, oh, boy, I tell you what, I would love to be able to get out in church and just be able to do something like this. And uh, that was being a parking lot attendant. I love being a parking lot attendant, being out there greeting the people as they come on in and uh, helping them park the cars and, and doing, oh, I tell you what, it's, I, gotta, I just love, love doing it. I thought it was so much fun. I mean, it's easy to do, but it's so much fun to do. There are times when, uh, you know, when I, would, I, could, I could operate in the area of an usher and do things in the area of an usher, and it didn't pull from other things that I was doing. But, you know, when you become a pastor, you're not supposed to be be doing it, but I still, I still loved it. I still had, had a, there's a lot of things in the ministry I love to do, but I have to give that up in order to be able to uh, function in the, things, in the things you need to do. Sometimes I tell all the people, and sometimes I told some of the folks that are sitting right here, you need to not do that because in doing that, it keeps you from doing something else. It keeps you from, from pursuing what you have to do. And even though you like to do it, you got to quit it. And it's not that you don't do it well. It's just that it's not your area. And so um, <laughs> we have to make sure that we, we do that. If I keep going back there and being an usher, that means that our ushers aren't going to be ushers. <laughs> and so there's a lot of times that I just sit back up here and say, well, we don't have enough ushers today. I guess we'll see how important that ministry is. <laughs> and it is important. There are things we, we need to get going when that kind of, that kind of thing happening. Um, but calling anointing, they're no longer pursued. We're doing things in our own, own strength. And here's the last one I put down in here. 
And you could probably find other things, but here's, it's just the top ones that will go on. And this was something to plague Moses too. I didn't give you the examples of it. And we didn't really have the examples from the priests. That's why I didn't write it in your outline before. But this is something that will wear you down. Constant complaining. Just people complaining and complaining and complaining and not seeing the, the good that's there. Now, there are some people who are better complainers than others. I mean, they find something to complain about no matter what it is. And um, I, don't, I don't like to say that I lose patience with the people, but I realize that patience is not what they need. And so there are some people that constantly complain, and I just cut them off. I just stop them. I just, just stop it. Just quit it. You just keep constantly complaining about this. You keep constantly. You need to, have you seen what good is going on? Have you seen the good is happening? Because if you keep constantly complaining, it wears you down, but it also wears down the people that are around you. And it, it don't help. But the enemy loves to get us on the things that are wrong because our, our attention just gets focused on it. But as far as ministry is concerned, that just wears you down. That just wears you down. And you have to make sure that you, you defend against it. I understand why, why God says, you know, at a certain time, just, just stop. We don't, we don't see that anymore. I mean, people are going on, pastors are going on until they're 70, 75, 80, and, and so forth. Um, I don't want to go on until I'm 75 or 80. I intend, if God de- delayed, I intend to be home way before 75 or 80. I have no intention of uh, hanging around here that long. Just, I just don't want to do it. I, Brother Hagen was satisfied at, what, 83 years, 85 years, something like that, and I know I'll be satisfied with a lot less. <laughs> a whole lot less. I'll just, just go on. Because sometimes, I tell you, 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 you see all these things, and these, they come and they work on you, and you just want to say, Dear Lord. Dear Lord, Lord just, just go. Just <laughs> just go. <laughs> we already passed the 25-year point a while ago. <laughs> no, I want to keep on. I want to keep on doing what God wants wants me doing. But I, I, I'm totally content that um, as soon as I'm done, to go on. Just just go on. This uh, this earth has absolutely nothing compared to the one that's ahead for us. And the more I, I look at that, I've told you I'm not teaching on heaven because if I teach on it, I'll learn more about it, and then I'll get too more excited than I already am about going. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. You'll have to get your heaven teaching from other people. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not doing too much on that. God, God deals with me. And, you know, I'll, I'll certainly, certainly change that. But in this area, make sure that, that we don't do the things. You know, I, I think back at the times when I was in church, and I think back at some of these, these lists, and I said, boy, I'll tell you what, I wish I knew some of this stuff then because I, I know I probably was more of a negative than I should have been. It may not have been negative as some of the people in the church. <laughs> I'm sure I could have been more positive. I'm sure I could have helped a little bit more. I'm sure I could have done something uh, that wouldn't have brought things down. We have to make sure that we, that we do that. Don't be, don't be the complaining one. Make sure we're pursuing what God has called us to and what God has anointed us to do. Make sure the corruption stays away from us. Don't do what you want in ministry. Do what God has, put, has told you to do. What, what God has called you to do. And everyone may hear from God, but there's a place that we have to get to that we submit. Aaron and Miriam didn't do that. They didn't see that God spoke to Moses in a different way than he did to them. And they rebelled. 
against Moses. And that didn't go very well for them. And it doesn't go very well for us either. But these are some of the things that are our roles as a priest are. You are called into the role of a priest. Your ranking will depend on how faithful you are. It doesn't depend on your birth. It doesn't mean that because you, you were born of the house of Aaron, because we're not of that, of that lineage. We're not of the law anymore. But what you're doing down here in, in your calling, what you're doing in your walk of love, what you're doing in the, the negative aspects of ministry, what you're doing in the positive aspects of ministry, these are the things that are going to alter where it is that you're going to go in ministry. Not, not so much people. Sometimes we look at people, well, this person doesn't let me do this. I'm being held back in this way. People won't hold you back. We hold ourselves back. But it's hard for us to, to always realize that. We have to get to the place where we sit back and say, I'm the one who's holding me back here. What do I need to do? What do I need to get rid of? Hophni and Phineas were not rejected because of uh, areas of ministry they weren't getting involved with. It's because they weren't holding true to what they were supposed to do. Aaron and Miriam weren't, re- weren't uh, reprimanded because they weren't doing their role well. It's because of what they got into that they shouldn't have got into. We have to make sure that we stay in that as well. Father God, you've called us to be priests. We want to be good ones. We want to be efficient ones. We want to be ones that you can count on. We want to be ones that rise up in the ranks that you say, all right, here's one who's been faithful in this part of the call. Let's move them up into another part of the call. Let's move them up into this area over here. And I thank you, Father, that we can do it. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.